This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. We're going to start things out here tonight with an update with our uh, friend of the show guest, Barry Cooper. He is back with us. We had him on about two weeks back to... Give us, uh, I guess, an update as to what he's been up to in his life with, uh, of course, Never Get Busted and Never Get Rated, his two DVD videos that you can get over at NeverGetBusted.com, but also his more recent project of Cop Busters, doing the second episode of Cop Busters recently, setting up a corrupt cop in a little town in Texas with the uh, opportunity to snag some cash from a bag that looked as though it had been placed somewhere by a drug addict. It had a, what was a fake crack pipe in it, a drug ledger. And uh, some cash and some other detritus. Cop came in, swooped in, grabbed the bag, emptied out the stuff, took the cash, took the crack pipe, threw the bag away, and they caught it all on video. And Barry Cooper is with us from NeverGetBusted.com. You caught this cop red-handed, and it looks like the cops decided to uh, give you a little bit of payback. Barry, uh, the first thing they did was they came and raided your home. While you weren't there, I believe uh, your wife Candy was uh, was home at the time. Am I correct so far in my uh, retelling of the story? Everything is perfect except the last part. We did catch that cop in a felony stealing drug money. But I was actually outside uh, during the raid. My 13-year-old daughter and I were headed to the University of Texas to give uh, a speech, and they pulled us over affected the arrest, and then brought us back to the house to let us watch the raid on Candy and my eight-year-old son, and we didn't have any way of warning her what was about to happen. So they stole your stuff. Uh, They took uh, all your video equipment. They took your tapes. They took whatever it is you had in there, your computers, and, of course, all of this was based on a warrant to essentially arrest you for, what was the charge? It was false, a misdemeanor, false report to a peace officer, and we've not been able to find anybody that's been raided on a misdemeanor yet. I'm sure it's happened, but it's very, very rare. So they got a warrant for my arrest for false report to a peace officer claiming I called in the suspicious bag. Uh, Their own affidavit says an unidentified caller called in, and they heard my voice in the background, but... It's not a false report to a peace officer in Texas if you're telling the truth. And our phone call to them was that there was a suspicious bag at the car wash, and there was. So we we feel confident we'll beat that in court, but it's just the suffering of the raid and all that that we're having to go through now. And then they took it to the next level because they also found a a marijuana, I guess, roach uh, or one or two marijuana roaches in your home. And, of course, uh, you've admitted publicly that uh, you are somebody who uses cannabis for uh, recreational purposes and that – Medicinal, too. It's uh, for uh, psychological reasons. And uh, and that uh, your your family is fine, that uh, you're a cannabis family, and there's nothing to be uh, ashamed of about that as, as millions of families around this country are. Uh, but unfortunately, they targeted you for that as well, and now they've stolen your son or stepson, Candy's son. Is that right? Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I expressed to America how pot switched me from an alcohol family like I was raised in, where there's fighting and screaming, over to a cannabis family where everything's peaceful and loving. And yeah, there were a few roaches in the house. 
uh, here in Travis County, which is Austin, Texas, that's usually just uh, a ticketable offense. But they charged Candy and I both with that and put us in jail. And uh, when the when the misdemeanor raid backfired in their face and they realized we were suing them for $40 million, the Williamson County sergeant, who was head of narcotics that did all of this, he got CPS involved. And I'm reading directly from his papers. He says, encourage the use of drugs by kids and public, publicly amount uh, to allowing the children in the home to smoke drugs, which is a lie. I've so, never heard you encourage kids to. I haven't heard drugs. that. Never heard that. No, I never encourage that. In fact, what I explained to teenagers, because there's hundreds of thousands of teenagers that smoke marijuana, and if, if they've heard me say saying I teach, that uh, do not smoke marijuana to get through uh, feelings in life. Because if you start out as a teenager smoking pot every day and you don't learn how to deal with anger and all these feelings that humans go through, you actually become emotionally retarded. By the time you're 25, if you stayed high your whole time, you never learn how to deal with emotional issues in life. So what? Did they, so they came and they grabbed your, uh, I mean, your son. What, what was that like? What happened? It was horrible because, uh, well, what was happening is Williamson County was trying to get a charge filed on us in Texas called endangering a child, which is a felony. So oh. they called Child Protective Services, and Child Protective Services cleared us. They even went to the district attorney in Travis County. And the district attorney said, the kids look safe to me, no problem. But while that was taking place, uh, Zach, my son that I've raised for six years since he was two years old, he's, uh, he's on a four-year-old level. He has cerebral palsy, and he's almost deaf. He's Candy's son. Well, we were all friends with Zach's father in East Texas, we thought. And when we sent Zach for spring break vacation – He took advantage of all of this and filed temporary restraining orders where we can't uh, see Zach. And, you know, I called uh, David, the father, and I said, man, I thought we were friends. And he said, we never were friends. I've been planning this the whole time. So it was ultimate ultimate betrayal so this guy and i was looking at your uh, the email that you'd sent out of the story that was linked to it uh from nevergetbusted.com this uh ex-husband i guess of or ex-boyfriend whoever he is of candies is essentially like you're saying was setting you up and he's claiming to be all high and mighty uh but yet you point out that you smoked pot with this he's basically look trying to look down his nose at you and to say well barry's a bad father because he's got pot in his house uh but you said you smoked pot with this guy within the last eight months that's correct, and I've smoked pot with him at least 10 times. The last time I smoked pot with him, he was at my house here in Austin, and his son, which is my stepson, uh, those kids were all at the park, of course, because we don't smoke around the kids. But what's interesting is David, Zach's father, went and hired the lawyer that we had sued three years ago for $10 million because he triggered an illegal raid on our house during a, another custody battle. So, uh, you know, it was like they put stuff in the papers. I'm reading directly from the papers here, and we've got to go answer these charges Tuesday in East Texas. It says the respondent, Candace Joy Cooper, and her present husband, Barry Cooper, 
are self-proclaimed national recognized marijuana legalization proponents, and they sell and distribute products to teach people on how to buy, use, and cultivate uh, cannabis. Then they go on to say that children are regularly told that illicit drugs such as cannabis are not harmful and that it is, in fact, okay to use drugs. Now, here's the part. This is the affidavit that he signed his name to that we have to go defend. He says, Barry Cooper tells the world as often as he can that his parents lied to him about narcotics, the public school system lied to him about narcotics, and the church lied to him about narcotics, mm -hmm. and that everything he had been taught growing up about narcotics is false and is a lie. Well, that's absolutely true. That yeah. is what happened to me. That's not endangering a kid in any way. In fact, like I said, CPS came into our home, interviewed all of our children, and they cleared us. That's they unusual, realized. by the way, that CPS would be so easygoing. Normally, we've heard some horror stories about the way CPS has treated some people. So I guess you're fortunate to have had that happen, Barry. So this uh, this continues on. Uh, the, he is the, Your son is out of the house at this time. Uh, I guess there's the chance you could get him back, and uh, we'll, I guess you'll know more next week. Is that right? Yeah, we'll know Tuesday if we win the temporary restraining order. If we win, we take him home. All right. If we lose, then we have another court battle here in Austin. And let me say this. Candy never cries. I've seen her cry five times in the seven years I've been married to her, and she's been crying every day. Right, this I can is only all imagine. retaliation, and it's horrible. Barry, thanks for the update here tonight. We'll keep our listeners in the loop, and, of course, I'm sure you'll be sending out email updates. Uh, people can go and help you out with your defense fund over at NeverGetBusted.com. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks, Ian. Right, we will talk you again. See you. Thanks, Barry. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Libby's 100% Pure Pumpkin. Learn how to give everyday recipes a nutritional boost with the power of pumpkin at VeryBestBaking.com. When choosing fruits and vegetables, orange or yellow are your best bets. Vegetables like butternut squash, pumpkin, or yellow peppers are rich in nutrients that are linked with lower risks of certain cancers and heart disease. On the fruit side, cantaloupe, bananas, and oranges offer the same benefits, plus one more. Kids love them. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with, the, uh, with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got various different ways for you to listen to the show. Listen lines are available. If you've got a phone that can dial long distance, you can listen to Free Talk Live any old time of the day or night. Of course, we've got live streams on our website as well. Broadband version and dial-up version, plus webcam during a live show. And you can get it all for free over at listen.freetalklive.com. How soon do you want to start teaching your child that's special to you about the ideas of liberty? I figured I couldn't start soon enough. An Island Called Liberty is a picture book for children that I, re I read to Jack all the time. It's kind of like Rothbard meets Dr. Seuss. It's simple, graceful rhymes, and beautiful illustrations on every page will make it one of um, one a book that it, uh, will be any of it'll make it any child's favorite. Get those marbles out of your mouth. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Go to freemarketunderdog.com and see some samples and order today. 10% discount for listeners of Free Talk Live with coupon code FTL. It's Island Called Liberty at freemarketunderdog.com. Ian, I've got a copy sitting right here. I showed it to you. Yeah, it is a, beautiful, like a great book. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is a great book. And uh, I do recommend it for your little one. 1-800-259-9231. 
William Gregg over at the Lou Rockwell blog, who unfortunately was not able to make it uh, to the Liberty Forum. I guess something came up for him this year, which is a bummer because I was looking forward to, uh, to seeing him speak. But nonetheless, I still enjoy his posts over at Lou Rockwell because he is the man when it comes to keeping an eye on the police state. Him and Redley Balco. Yeah, Radley Balco's up there, too. Uh, when the victim of a criminal assault dials 911 for help, what happens if police are the assailants? Chicago residents Matthew Clark, a Ph.D. lecturer at the University of Chicago, and Gregory Malandruco, who's the, uh, who is finishing his Ph.D., can answer that question. The cops who respond to the call will eagerly join the fray on the side of the attackers. After finishing a meal at a Mexican restaurant last February, Clark and Malandruco were suddenly shoved out of the way by a large, aggressive male. The assailant was offended that Malandruco had taken a moment to put on his coat. I presume that meant that he stood in his way uh, while he was getting his coat put on. When Clark and Malandruco exited the restaurant, they were accosted by the same ill-tempered lout and two of his associates, one male, one female, who cursed and threatened them. They would later learn that these three truculent people who took inconsolable offense over a momentary delay at the cash register were off-duty undercover police officers. Puzzled by the hostility, Clark and Malandruco tried to defuse the situation peacefully. Clark told them, we don't want any trouble. Let's just shake hands and calm down and everybody will go home. No problem. By way of reply, one of the antagonists punched Clark repeatedly in the face and threw him to the ground. Good Lord. An assault captured by a local security camera. As I was laying down and getting punched, this woman that was with them is telling me, quit resisting. They're cops. They're going to beat you, Clark later recalled. This was not a demand that Clark submit to an arrest. which Just in, submit to getting beaten. Right, which in this case would have been a simple abduction. Rather, it was a candid statement of criminal intentions, coupled with a demand that the victim simply remain still and passively absorb whatever abuse the aggressor saw fit to inflict on him. When Malandruco tried to intervene, he was beaten as well. This divided the assailant's attention long enough to permit Clark to dial 911, which, as is almost always the case, made matters considerably worse. At least three uniformed officers arrived in marked cars. Clark, who by this time was bleeding profusely from his face, begged the uniformed cops to help. They were eager to lend a hand, that is, a fist, as well as a knee and foot, to the perpetrators. As summarized in a lawsuit filed by the victims, one of the officers, quote, switched places with the plainclothes officer who was on top of Mr. Malandruco, holding him down and striking him in the process, end quote. Another kicked and kneed the prone, bleeding, and helpless man. After Malandruco was left unconscious, the uniformed police turned their attention to Clark. They took a look at me, Clark recounted to a local CBS affiliate, and said, I was covered in blood. I said, please help me. Are you going to do anything to these guys? Are you going to help us? They said, we're not going to do anything to these guys. You need to go home and forget about it. And they left the scene. In a sense, Clark and Malandruco, both of whom had been beaten unconscious, were fortunate, since neither was arrested and charged with aggravated assault and resisting arrest. Yeah, usually that's what happens. Uh, you know, the police, you know, their, their knuckles bloodied after pummeling uh, uh, innocent people in, in, in situations like this will then charge them. Which is what usually assaulting happens. their knuckles. Yeah, which uh, is what usually happens when an innocent citizen uses his face to assault the sanctified fists of a police officer. Rosa Torres, manager of the restaurant where the assault took place, told both police investigators and the local CBS affiliate that nothing happened inside the restaurant to provoke or precipitate the incident. 
The absence of charges against the victims in this incident underscores the fact that this was an undisguised act of criminal violence carried out by a wolf pack of tax-subsidized street criminals. Good Lord. You know, there there are people listening right now that you know, they probably haven't heard as many stories as we've heard of situations like this. They're shocked. Appalled. Well, they think we're lying. They mm. think that uh, Will Gregg is lying. They can't believe it for a second. They got video evidence. You know, of it. and the first ten times you hear this, you won't believe it. I, you know, if you were raised like I was raised by the, you know, uh, sort of upper middle class Republican family, you don't believe that the cops do this to people. And I'm sure these some guys, cops. these PhD, um, you know, some some police, yeah, when I mean the cops, I, I guess I'm generalizing. Really, it's some police officers will abuse their badge in this fashion, and unfortunately, it's far too many, and the incentives are um, are not in place for them not to do it. When yep. these uniformed officers showed up, they should have put these other people in handcuffs, or at least said, go away. Stop stop doing this, guys. You, you know, you, they've had enough. They're bleeding from every every limb. Stop. And they didn't. They no. just helped. And if the you're not used to this, yeah, if you're not used to this, you don't have any idea what it's like. And you're going to deny it. No, no, this is not what I pay my money for. This is not America. I don't believe it. You will do your mind will do all kinds of gymnastics, somersaults, twists and cavortions until you do a job like mine where you sit here night after night week after week, year after year, and you read these stories again and again and again and again of cops that if they don't beat people, they steal their money and they they, they yeah. are a law unto themselves. They they act like a they they act like the worst kind of gang. A Absolutely. kind of gang that has no expectation that they're going to get caught for anything and they're mostly right. That's true. Who will uh who will watch the watchers? The, what you think the Internal the, Affairs uh, Bureau is going to care? Right. I'm sorry, but I, you know, I going to hire a new bureaucracy to watch the other bureaucracies. And that wasn't that the problem they had in communist Russia was that you know they kept hiring bureaucrats to look over the other bureaucrats because they all got paid off, they all got uh, corrupted, basically. I mean, how many levels of bureaucracy do you need to create to keep one level in check? It doesn't work. Because they all get power and they all end up working together. Uh, the good old boy system is alive and well, and the thin blue line wraps itself around its its members and protects them. They showed up to this scene and they helped out their buddies. Maybe they jumped to some com- conclusions because they're their friends and they figured, well, there's a fight going on. Our friends are fighting. It must be a good reason to jump in on the side of our friends. Mm. Even though there were video cameras present, I don't know if I expect these folks are going to win their lawsuit. Maybe they will. Sometimes it's the it rare happens. instance it happens. Sometimes, sometimes, but like like Will Greg points out, usually they get hit with charges. Usually they get arrested. Yep. It's not every day they beat the crap out of ph of a PhD. So you know that, that's not going to go well for them. We got more coming up here with your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. Dial in at 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. 
Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the program, you enjoy Free Talk Live, you want to help support the show, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Start your shopping there, amazon.freetalklive.com. Every contest involves rules, and every winner knows the rules and how they use them to their advantage. When it comes to the court system, you don't know the rules. Jurisdictionary.com can teach them to you, teach them to you quickly in a way that you can understand. It, people um, assure us, assure me, that the average eighth grader can uh, grasp it in less than 24 hours. It's created by a lawyer, as a matter of fact, a, a, a JD, so it's like a juris doctorate or something like that. And he wants you to uh, be able to pre- protect yourself from other members of his profession. Jurisdictionary.com, I've been taking the course, and I'm really impressed with uh, how easy it makes um, you know, using the legal system. And it's, it's the place to start. Either whether you have your own attorney that you generally use just to know whether or not uh, you know, he's ripping you off or whether you want to take things to uh, court and represent yourself pro se. It's Jurisdictionary.com. So we just told you a story from LouRockwell.com's blog. I meant to, I meant to say uh, use the pull-down FTL uh, when you buy. That way we get credit. Jurisdictionary.com. Got it. Uh, so, we were just telling you a story from LouRonquil.com's Will Gregg about the police in Chicago, undercover cops. You know, you can do what you you can do your best to avoid the police. I mean, you can do whatever you can to to drive away from them when you see them on the road, to turn off uh, into a parking lot, to let them pass by you. I mean, there are all kinds of different ways to to try to avoid the police, but sometimes you just can't, right? I mean, sometimes. You're walking out of a restaurant and they attack you from behind and uh, beat the living crap out of you because you decided to put your coat on and uh, de- delay their leaving of the restaurant by 20 seconds. I mean, that's what happened in, this, in the story that we shared with you. So in some cases, you just can't get away from them. In other cases, you do have the opportunity. In other encounters with the police, there is the chance that you can end the encounter as quickly as possible and get about your life without ending uh, ending up in handcuffs or in a cage somewhere. And the folks over at StopTheDrugWar.org have, by the way, they've uh, they put out a new video, which I have not yet seen. I'm going to make, make a note to take, to take a look at this. Remember the video Busted, Mark, that came out a yeah. few years back? A number yeah. of years ago. I think very, I've still got it sitting up on my shelf. Me too. It's a very good video. I highly recommend it. But they've come out with a new one, 10 Rules for Dealing with Police. And I haven't gone over it. I uh, haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to make a note. I'll make sure to, to uh, see if I can get my hands on it. Meantime, they've actually got a, an article by John Calvin Jones, a professor of law from American University in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and he has uh, he's written some tips, some rules for dealing with the police. So it's not the same rules as the video. It's a different set of rules by this uh, this one guy. So I'm going to share those here since we're talking about the cops and, and how dangerous they can be. The latest case of a naive marijuana grower comes out of New Jersey, where on March 15th, an appellate court affirmed a ruling from 2007 which denied a motion to suppress evidence, a seizure of a lot of weed from the house of one Brian McGacken. Recent headlines on Slate and other websites emphasized why the police arrived at McGacken's house in the first place. Apparently, he and his girlfriend were loud whilst having sex. So loud that police received an anonymous 911 call. Having the police come to your home because of loud sex could lead to an amusing, uh, to amusing anecdotes down the years, but it's doubtful McGacken is finding anything to laugh about. 
Instead, we have a scenario where police enter the house, follow McGacken out upstairs without being invited, smell pot, then start asking questions, and, well, we know the rest. Before reviewing the legal arguments and the ultimate ruling of two New Jersey appellate division judges, let me start with the errors of Brian McGacken. According to the opinion, as admitted by McGacken, when police arrived at his place to investigate the 911 call, McGacken invited the police into the foyer. Rule number one, if you're growing any plants, much less have any weed in your domicile, do not invite the police inside. I would modify that rule to say, rule number one, don't answer the door. There's no real reason, and this is what B- uh, Barry Cooper would On say. On a 911 call? A noise complaint? An, yeah, a noise. They're not going to bust into your house because there's a noise complaint. They they may they may not be they may be an, uh, the the complaint may have been I think someone's being killed. Uh, you know, admittedly, sex can sometimes sound that way, right? Somebody's getting beaten repeatedly. Yeah, I don't in a kind of rhythmic fashion. I don't know if that gives them the justification to break into somebody's home. Maybe it does. Um, if any of our law enforcement officers are out there listening tonight, and they want to uh, dial in on that. I, I just find it hard to believe that an anonymous tip saying that they heard something awful coming from a home is going to give the police reason to uh, to bust in. But nonetheless, if you are determined to speak to the police, rule number one here is a good one. Do not invite the police inside. So if you feel you must talk to them, don't bring them into your home to talk to them. There's no reason for it. Even if you don't smoke pot, even if you aren't you know, growing marijuana, there's no reason to bring them inside your home. If you must talk to them, step outside your door, close the door behind you. Because if they're in your house, they are going to try to find a reason to arrest you. Maybe it won't be for pot. Maybe you left your gun out on the counter and that's illegal in the state in which you live. Maybe you have to have a, you know, a, your gun locked up in some sort of safe with a trigger lock. You know how these ludicrous laws are. You don't know what all of these laws are. You don't know what all the statutes are. So play it safe. And... Either don't talk to them in the first place, don't even answer the door, as I would suggest, or the very least, go outside, close the door behind you. We'll continue, though. So uh, then after McGacken explained, so he invited them inside. After McGacken explained that any reports of screaming were accurate, as then confirmed by his sex partner, police asked McGacken for ID. Rule number two. If you're growing weed in your house, speak to the police as little as possible. And since the Supreme Court ruling in Heibel versus Nevada or Nevada, unless you live in one of the 20 states that have a law requiring you to identify yourself, which New Jersey does not, and I wouldn't do it anyway, uh, then you don't need to say anything to the police. That is, it's not a crime to refuse to answer or ID yourself. Yeah. Remember, <laughs> I mean, I'm not driving this house, officer. I'm going back inside now, and I'm not coming back out. Good Absolutely. Night. <laughs> which is, again, another reason why to not even talk to them in the first place. Sorry, I don't want your services tonight. We're fine here. If you must speak to them. But the deeper you go with what they are asking you to do, the closer you're getting to getting handcuffs put on you. The further along you go with what they're demanding or what they're asking of you, the closer you're going to a cage. Okay, so uh, unless you live in the 26th, that is, it's not a crime to refuse to answer ID yourself. Even the appellate appellate court of McGacken's case noted that. Regardless, if you do live in one of those self-ID states, just give your full name, do not lie, and then say nothing more. Because what obligation could you possibly have to have a government identification on you at the time you're in your home? You could make the argument that you should have one when you're driving a car, Which but no one could make well that argument. Which might very well be at the home. <laughs> no one could make that argument about being in your home. 
By the way, the Supreme Court qualified the issue of ID laws in Heibel, noting that one must identify only when police say they have reason to believe that a person is suspected of committing a crime. If you ask police if you are suspected of a crime and they say no, as was the case with McGacken, not only are you not required to show ID, but you should then apply rule number three. Always ask the police, am I free to leave? If they say no but are still in your house, tell them to leave, that you do not consent to their presence or search, and get the phone and tell them that you're calling your lawyer. The reason you say you're calling a lawyer is twofold. First, it puts the cops on notice that they should go harass someone else. And second, while they will tell you that they, that you cannot use your phone, they know that one can always have counsel present while in custody. So you surely, uh, So you can surely have advice of counsel when you are not in custody. Of course, you don't have to call any real lawyer. Just call your own voicemail and make a recording of the events in a loud voice saying stuff like, The police are in my house, apartment without a warrant, and no probable cause, and they are not invited, and I've asked them to leave. I do not consent to any search, etc. If after all that the police still don't leave, just sit there and be quiet. Remember, this is if you've been foolish enough to let them in your home in the first place. So, like the vampire letting them in the, the front door gives them access to your home and, you know, killing you. Well, cops probably aren't going to kill you, but like vampires, letting them in your home will give them access to all kinds of things they need to build a case against you and put you in a cage. This guy's got a few more rules. We'll show, uh, share those with you here in a moment as to uh, dealing with the police, what not to do uh, if you grow marijuana and the police visit you. But I would say what to not, what not to do, period, whether or not you're growing marijuana. More coming up as far as dealing with the police. This is Free Talk Live. Thousands of years ago, from the time of Moses to the time of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and beyond, TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert, Ilya Slobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We've got news updates. You can get them via email. You can get them via Twitter, via Facebook. You can go to news.freetalklive.com to link into any one of those three or all three of them, whatever works best for you, whatever ways you'd prefer to get the news about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com to get signed up for as many of those as you want. We are sharing with you uh, some rules here as far as dealing with the police, as uh, professed by John Calvin Jones from the American University in Bosnia-Herzegovina. He is sharing with us uh, a story uh, with a guy named Ryan McGacken, excuse me, Brian McGacken, who uh, had a, the police called on him because he was having making too much noise uh, while having sex with his girlfriend. They police showed up. He let them in. Rule number one is to not allow the police inside your house. If he hadn't done that, he'd have been all right. Yeah, and that's where the problem started because rule- you know this is uh, this is true with pretty much any government agent. Um, you know, police you have to be a little more careful with because they're they're much more likely to kick the door in uh, with a gun in their hand or something like that. However, um, when you're dealing with other government agents, there's no reason to even answer the door. 
um, when it comes, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying you should answer the door for cops. Uh, I think that in, in a lot of cases you're better off not answering the door. But um, we've actually got a law enforcement officer who wants to address that. Let's issue. let's let's hear from him. Let's talk to Brad Jardis uh, calling from the road, Louisiana. Brad, uh, driving around. You were in Tennessee last night. You're on uh, in Louisiana now, and I know you're heading down toward uh, Mexico, actually. So you'll be keeping us up to date with your travels and your experience. I'm running from the law. <laughs> <laughs> on the road. Now, you're a former police officer with over 10 years uh, on duty, so you've got some experience at this. We were debating whether or not uh, one anonymous phone call could lead to the police busting into your home, because I, I like to say what Barry Cooper has said, and that is there's no reason to even talk to these guys. There's no reason to even answer the door. But uh, is that really the case? What, what do you have to say to it? Absolutely. Um, let me give you an example. Um, as I have uh, kicked in uh, my fair share of doors, um, Here's a good example. Uh, one night, um, I received a 911 call from a party that, uh, from a house that was beyond a long driveway with a gate. And the 911 call was just a simple hang up. And um, people stopped uh, myself and my partner at the gate. I mean, this party had, I don't know, maybe 100, 200 people there. And they said we couldn't come on the property. Mm-hmm. And we basically told them, too bad. Um, if a 911 call is placed um, and there's a 911 hang up, the police have every. Uh, right under the current legal system to uh, enter private property to investigate. In this, in this particular situation, um, we entered the residence and we checked every bedroom um, of the house, and the justification from the uh, police side would be, hey, we don't know if someone is getting sexually assaulted in, the bed- in a bedroom. Uh, we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's considered community caretaking. Um, it's not a search uh, for evidence to prosecute someone, although... So if you run evidence, across a bong while you're uh, doing that, what happens? Absolutely. That's absolutely admissible because the reason why the, the, uh, the police were there in the first place um, was because they were uh, doing a community caretaking function. Um, another example, I got a 911 call um, one night from... Uh, wait, wait, point of information of, before you sure. go on with your next story. So if you're, if you're searching somebody's house, you come to the party with 100-plus people, you say, well, we've got to go in, we've got to search. Uh, you go in, you find a bong, but nobody's – it's not in somebody's hands. Uh, do you charge the owner of the home with that? Do you just confiscate it and move along? Do you attempt to ascertain whose it is, try to get somebody to cop to it? What would you do? I mean, uh, the bad Brad, former Brad. Oh, yeah, 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 me, me many years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, what, um, in that case, I don't think you could make a case against the homeowner for possession of the bong because uh, there's so many people at the party. It would be, say, okay, prove that it was mine. I mean, there's people coming and going from all different rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely the, the police would just seize it. And this particular, uh, at this particular party, um, a group of maybe 50 people outside um, were blocking me and the one other officer from entering the house. They said, you can't go in there. And we basically told them, uh, you know, get the F out of the way. Um, or you're all going to be in some serious trouble when about 50 of us uh, show up. Um, so anything that the police find, as long as where the, the reason why they're in an area is legitimate, is completely admissible in court. So, I mean, and, you know, we went through the house to every different bedroom, and ultimately it turned out someone was just joking around. Um, and, but at the <laughs> same time, uh, yeah, it's real funny. Uh, th- there's a phenomenon called swatting. Um, and it's where people uh, people call uh, the police and say there's a hostage situation when there really isn't, um, you know, at, at the location of their enemy. And then the police SWAT team shows up and then storm and storms the house, 
um, because they got a report that something amiss was going on there. And that's what's really scary about, uh, about this stuff, because in this situation where there was two adults, you know, going at consensual sexual activities, um, the, the call probably came into the police uh, that a woman is screaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, although last night when I called, I said it's never good to talk to the police, it, this is a rare situation where unless you dispel um, the suspicion that someone's being hurt, the police can absolutely enter. So if, if, but you never know precisely what the call is um, from the police, so it really is a, a difficult situation. But say, for instance, uh, this poor guy that's going to jail for growing a plant, um, say, for instance, he came to the door, and uh, he and his uh, female partner came to the door, and they were giggling, and they're like, oh, yeah, someone hurt us. We were having some fun. That, that could serve as sufficient justification to dispel um, any suspicion that someone was being hurt. The police still may have uh, entered the residence forcefully, and um, anything they found in, inside may, may be dismissed under the exclusionary rule. But at the same time, the police would not be punished for it because what they did was in good faith, and they would be entitled to what's called qualified immunity. So... Um, it really, you know, and, and this presents the problem where if the police want to get into a residence uh, and all, all they have to do is have someone call in an anonymous tip that someone's yeah, being hurt. That's crazy. And then they can storm. storm. It is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, and there's so really no, no corroborating evidence. No detective work is necessary. An anonymous phone call comes in, says they've heard blood curdling screams coming from your address. The cops can show up even if the, the house is entirely dark. Everything's quiet. There's no evidence that there's anything going on that gives them justification to kick a door in and search the home. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And I'd that's be scary. I'd be I'd be very shocked if any uh, police officer would call up call up to uh to give you a different opinion on that and you're saying that the the thing the homeowner you think that what the homeowner should do in that situation is everybody in the house should come to the front door and tell them to that everything's okay but even that would not necessarily be enough to uh to sway them from coming in and and searching do you do you see what i'm trying to articulate i mean it's essentially um what a reasonable quote-unquote reasonable police officer would believe if if all if all the police officer knows is that someone is inside and screaming um, when they get to the door and they're banging on the door, the police officer could articulate, hey, I don't know if someone was being killed inside and they saw me pull up and then they, you know, muffled the screams of this person. So I don't know what's going on, so I'm going to kick in the door. And, and even if someone comes to the door, then the police officer can articulate, well, I don't know if they've got someone chained up downstairs. Mm. You know, I mean, this is the type of situation so where... You, what do you think? Is it better to, I mean, in that case where the cop is determined to come in, is it better to just not come to the door? Right. And also, uh, I'd like to, one more question um, to, to sort of add to that, Brad, is how does a person who made a 911 call know that screams came from a certain location? Um, I mean, you know, if you're talking about in town, I, I, I've lived as close as five feet to my neighbors before. And as a matter of fact, I've lived in an apartment. I've lived no feet from my neighbors. I suppose they don't, Mark, because all they have to say, uh, it, it doesn't have to be a surefire thing. They can be completely anonymous. And when they when you look at the situation, yes, it's an anonymous call. But if we do nothing, someone could be being murdered. Uh, the The you know, the seriousness of the allegation, uh, certainly it would change um, the, the whole uh, police response would have to change if, say, for instance, the same 911 call was being made repeatedly to the same address or mm-hmm. 
if, if say, for instance, a community was inundated with 911 calls of anonymous people saying they're screaming coming from an address, um, you know, eventually it would get to the point where the police would not would have to do more investigating once they found out that there was, uh, you know, a serious problem with all these calls. But a call alone, when the police come to the house, and, you know, again, this is a tricky situation, um, I would say never open the door. You know, and my advice is to always never talk to the police. But, I mean, if it's really difficult because you don't know why the police were, are, are, are at your door. So, I mean... If, if you want to, uh, you know, run the, the gamble of not answering the door, that's one course of action. Or if you want to talk through the door, that could probably be safer. Man, doesn't seem like either way. If you've got a cop that it's wants scary. to come in, uh, it doesn't seem like there's much you can do. Thanks. There, there isn't, and it's scary. Thank you, Brad, as always, for the expertise. You're Appreciate welcome. hearing from you tonight. Good luck uh, and say have a safe trip out there. We'll probably hear back from Brad when he gets a little closer to the border on his trip toward uh, Mexico. We'll see what that's like for him. Mm. Uh, More coming up. Hour number two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features. They're free. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their sites. We give ours away. freetalklive.com. Last hour, for those of you just joining us. We were talking about, we started out by talking about bad cops, and uh, there's a, just an awful story out of Chicago about some folks that uh, that were just regular people uh, having dinner out when they were assaulted and then beaten severely by some undercover cops who were eating in the same restaurant, and they didn't like the fact they were inconvenienced for 20 seconds while one of them put their coat on at the cash register. So they uh, proceeded to beat the hell out of the, uh, those people. So then we ch- uh, changed over to uh, StopTheDrugWar.org and a story by John Calvin Jones, professor of law from the American University in Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, about ten, uh, not ten things, but some rules for dealing with the police. And uh, he's telling a story about Brian McGacken, who was allegedly having sex with his girlfriend at a very loud volume levels. Someone made a call to the police reporting this. The police showed up, and McGacken made quite a few mistakes that ended up costing him his freedom uh, because these police kidnapped him for growing marijuana in his home. Now, whether or not you're growing marijuana or whether or not you're a marijuana smoker or some other sort of uh, drug user – 
or maybe you just have a, a gun laying out on your counter or something like that. There are always things that can be uh, out of date uh, prescriptions. There's one for you. Sure, it there happens. are always things that can be in your home. Pictures of your child during bath time. That too, child porn. Uh, so you never know what it is these police are going to find to, to arrest you for, but you can guarantee that if you let them in your home, that they are going to be looking for them. They're going to be looking for a reason to put you in handcuffs and take you down uh, and put you in a cage. And so take a listen to these rules here by John Calvin Jones because they're very, very valuable. Now, I think if you can avoid it, you probably shouldn't even open the door and talk to the police. But as Brad Jardis pointed out, a former uh, law enforcement officer, even if he said that even if the cops get a phone call anonymously alleging something about screams coming from a home, that gives them enough reason to come inside. So maybe well, it would benefit you to try to talk them uh, out of it. I it's don't, crazy. Oh, you have to wait. It, it may benefit you if you can uh, manage to dissuade them. But if they... But if they really want to come if in, if they really wanted to come in, they're going to come in one way or the other, and at least this way they have to commit to kicking a door in. That's true. Um, you know, I agree it, with you. They may be convinced that well, maybe this wasn't the residence or somebody's not here or whatever. It it may be. That's true. Uh, and if you're talking to them, then they have the reason they could say, well, we believed he was lying, so they could go in. If you don't say anything, then they can't make a claim about that. If if you don't answer the door and don't say anything then you're right, Mark, they have to kick the door in or bust the door in somehow, and they have to justify it based on the fact that just they, all they had was an anonymous complaint. Right, because um, if you if you go out and speak to them and say, no, you can't come inside, then they have this, uh, you know, the, the ego thing says, oh, yeah, I can come inside, yeah. and then they, they get whatever reason it is that they feel like they need to. When they're just knocking on a door and no one's coming, you know, they're not, they're not dealing, uh, it's not an ego thing. They're, they're not dealing with their emotions in that situation. Now, if they believe you to be in there, like you go to the window, look at them, and then turn around mm-hmm. and walk away, I think you've you've ticked off the emotional thing again, and and you know the ego thing, and and that that's a whole different story. You have convinced me back to my position of not answering the door for the police, which is what uh, Barry Cooper recommends. But either way, it's a t- it's a tricky situation. It's a tricky situation. No You're doubt. dealing with men who Brad can do what they want. Brad didn't recommend opening the door. No, he just said it was tricky. It's right. scary. And you're dealing if you're dealing with a man that does uh, that with armed men that will do that know they can pretty much get away with whatever they want, then it's a tricky situation. So rule number two, uh, rule number one is that you do not answer the uh, do not invite the police inside. I say don't even answer the door, don't even talk to them. But if you must talk to them, don't invite the police inside. Number two, uh, try to speak to the police as little as possible. Always better to be asking questions. Than to be answering questions. He who asks the questions is in control of the conversation. But don't be so excited to ask questions to the police and confront the compl- police that you walk outside and talk to them. I mean, you know, I think that the best place, to, you know, the best way to avoid a blow is to not be where it is. That's a good point. Number three, rule number three is uh, always ask the police, "Am I free to leave?" Of course, if you're in your own home, uh, if they say no, but you're still in your house, you can tell them to leave. Uh, but they are still in your house. You can tell them to leave, that you don't consent to their presence or search. Get the phone. Tell them you're calling your lawyer and leave a message on your own voicemail if you don't have a lawyer's number. That just you know makes it clear to them that you know your rights. Say something to the effect of the police are my house apartment without a warrant and no probable cause and they are not invited. I've asked them to leave. I don't consent to any search, etc. Needless to say, McGacken didn't follow rules two or three either. But according to the court opinion, McGacken admitted he went upstairs to get his identification and was followed by New Jersey State Trooper Thomas Holmes. According to the opinion, Trooper Holmes testified that he followed the defendant upstairs for two reasons. One, to protect his own and fellow trooper's safety and to make sure there was no other person in the home in need of aid. But did he really? 
earlier in the opinion, the judges wrote that Trooper Holmes and the fellow uh, trooper responded to the 911 call. Once on the scene, they heard and saw nothing unusual from outside the residence. They knocked on the door and announced that they were with the state police. Within a reasonable time, the defendant opened the door dressed only in a bathrobe. Otherwise, defendant's demeanor and conduct were normal, and he was completely cooperative. When told about the report of screaming, defendant invited the troopers to step inside and explained that the screaming came during loud sex with his girlfriend. The troopers asked to talk to the girlfriend. She came from upstairs wearing only a towel and confirmed defendant's explanation. So, if the two occupants of the house said that they are the only two in the house and the officers believe them, then there's no reason to make sure there's no one else in the house in need of aid. Further, if the police accept the explanation for the screaming and the police are ready to end a routine follow-up to an unnecessary 911 call, then there's no reason to suspect that Trooper Holmes or his fellow trooper would be at risk from the sex screamers. But if the police thought that McGacken was lying or acting suspicious, then there might be cause to keep an eye on McGacken. But according to the ruling, that's not what the police thought. The ruling said that no evidence suggested that the police had any suspicion of criminal activity by the defendant or his girlfriend or that they wished to conduct search, uh, a search for evidence of a crime. Trooper Holmes testified that nothing that the defendant and his girlfriend said or did downstairs raised suspicion of criminal activity. The police and the court admit that Trooper Holmes lied when he testified there was no suspicion of criminal behavior. He could not have believed the report of the two lovers, but still had cause to look around to see if someone were in need of assistance. And thus, because he didn't believe their explanation, Holmes implied that the two were hindering or obstructing an investigation, an arrestable offense. But as the court recognizes that Holmes declared that he had no suspicions, that means Holmes believed that no one else was in the house. Therefore, there was no need to go upstairs in the name of what the court references as an exigent circumstance. But they always do that, though. They, you know, if, if you let them in the house, they're going to follow you everywhere you go. You go. Yep. That's what they're trained to do. Of the sort where they, the police... The reason he did it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't because he was in fear for his safety. It was because that's what he's trained to that's do. That's what they do. And, you know, I, you never, as a police officer uh, who is, you know, walking into people's houses that they shouldn't be walking into, of course you, you feel a certain level of danger. It is a, it's a dangerous job. Absolutely. You don't know what's around the next corner. Of the sort where the police may enter a house without a warrant and so as to preserve life or prevent serious injury. Again, because Trooper Holmes testified that he had no suspicions that McGacken and his girlfriend were lying, he had no basis to justify a warrantless intrusion. But that's not how the appeals court ruled. The New Jersey judges referred over and over to the idea of this type of warrantless search as necessary to save lives and not search for evidence of a crime. So what did Trooper Holmes do and see when reaching the upstairs bedroom with McGacken? First, the court says that Holmes smelled marijuana. What happened next for this trooper, who was not searching for evidence of a crime, but merely responding to a perceived exigency to save a life? According to the court, upstairs, Trooper Holmes saw a defendant use his foot to push a tray under the couch. Holmes asked defendant what was on the tray, and defendant soon admitted that the tray contained marijuana. In defendant's bedroom, the trooper saw in plain view a number of growing marijuana plants, as well as bagged and loose marijuana. He placed the defendant under arrest. Thus, two New Jersey appellate court judges decided to abandon all pretense of reason. Without comment, they claimed that Holmes had to go upstairs to find someone to rescue, although he didn't suspect that anyone was in need of aid. McGacken's misadventure leads us to yet another rule. Rule number four. When police ask you something, do not answer. Police are not your friends. They use drug arrests, the easy pickings, to gain fame and fortune. 
All states and the federal government have seizure laws that allow law enforcement to take cars, houses, bank accounts, and boats on the mere suspicion that you are engaged in drug-related criminal activity. And let's not forget what a hero you look like to your uh, police chief when you manage to get a situation where they can confiscate cars and boats and houses in order to... uh, That adds to the budget. Yeah, to, to add to the bottom line of the police department. You can even be acquitted and have your charges dropped, but the cops get to keep your stuff. Yes, they do. A few more rules coming up here. 800-259-9231. What not to do when dealing with the police at your house. This is Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, including our Shrine of Female listeners, with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of the program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com, whether or not you're a lady listener, and uh, see it for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies Summer Seminar Program is now accepting applications. There are 11 11 different uh, seminars in major cities across the country. The IHS provides meals and housing once you are at the seminar. The deadline for registration is March the 31st. Go to libertarianseminars.com. You must be be an undergraduate, graduate, recent graduate, um, graduate student or recent graduate. Libertarianseminars.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We're talking about a story here from StopTheDrugWar.org. They've got a new video out called 10 Rules for Dealing with the Police. We are not sharing those 10 rules. <laughs> These are different rules that are also by Stop the Drug War, uh, and they're by a guy named John Calvin Jones, professor of law from the American University in Bosnia and Herzegovina. He's talking about a situation with a guy, Brian McGackin, who had the police called on him for a uh, noise complaint. He was having sex too loud. He let the cops into his home, which was a big mistake. Then he went upstairs to get his ID, and they followed him, which, again, this is not, none of this is required that he did. He should have just I, either not answered the door at all or at the very least talked through the door to the police. Or if you feel you must be close to them, leave the house, close the door behind you. But I agree with you, Mark. Talking through the door would be the most uh, sen- sensible thing to do because it doesn't allow them the opportunity to put their foot in the door, to try to push their way into your home. Uh, and, of course, not even talking to the police in the first place is the best option, in my opinion, because then they have absolutely nothing that they can uh, they can build a case with or try to arrest you on. But nonetheless, we're going through some of these uh, these rules that he's suggesting, uh, This uh, this law attorney. Rule number four is that when the police ask you something, do not answer. The police are not your friends. They use drug arrests to gain fame and fortune, and of course they can take your house and car and boat, etc. And even if you uh, win the case in that they don't uh, they don't win their case because whenever you're up against the bureaucrats, you always lose. Keep that in mind. Whenever they come after you, you're going to at the very least lose your free time. Uh, so there's no real winning with bureaucrats. Uh, But nonetheless, he says, getting back to rule number four, and anything related to a search of your person, house, car, or stuff, 
Note that what the court didn't report that the trooper did after seeing McGacken move the pot tray underneath his bed. The police officer didn't go over and grab the tray. Even though the court said that Holmes was within his right to make a warrantless search given the exigent circumstance of trying to save someone in imminent harm and not intending to seize evidence or make an arrest, Holmes didn't even try. Because the tray was not in plain view, it was hidden under the couch, and Holmes didn't have the probable cause to search without a warrant... The cop relied on the tried-and-true method to collect evidence and make an arrest. Asking questions. A confession. Yep. That leads to rule number five. Never consent to a search. Because the tray even was not... If, even if he's just caught you, you still don't consent. Right. Even if he's standing in the room with you, even if you feel like, look, all the cops are here now, they can do whatever they want, you can still try to uh, prevent them from doing so What's by letting that them tray? know you don't consent. None, yeah. None of your business. Now, there's clearly nobody in here that's in trouble. Let's get out. Of course, that'll, presuming you made the mistake of letting them in in the first place. Well, he was going to get his ID. It wasn't even about actually. Yeah. He, he, the, the cop wasn't actually searching for that. He was just following the guy. Because the tray wasn't, uh, excuse me, th- that's why you're not supposed to answer their questions. Uh, Holmes didn't have probable cause. Uh, just call the lawyer. Holmes was careful to say that in no way did he look under the couch to see what was on the tray. However, Holmes testified, and the court explained, that the seized marijuana plants were in plain view, meaning not in a closed space drawer, etc. Even Holmes knows rule number six. If it's in plain view, it belongs to the police, not you. This exercise in legal sophistry and uh, hypocrisy is not to advocate that anyone should violate state or federal laws, although I would advocate that. Uh, because bad laws deserve to be broken, especially drug laws. Instead, it should serve to emphasize that every person should know the limits, guidelines, and rules on constitutional provisions about search and seizure. Even in those states that allow go- that allow license grow operations, the Obama administration is still making busts. If you want to you stay don't out expect, of prison, by the way, these constitutional limits don't expect them to stick around. No. As the drug war progresses, and it really only started uh, in my lifetime with uh, with Nixon, it was upgraded by uh, Carter. Excuse me, not Carter. Uh, Reagan. It was then upgraded again by um, Clinton. And and I'm sure you know the, the Bush administration, the Obama administration will have, you know have done their uh, their fair shares, but. You know, it's a relatively new thing, and as it as it progresses, the judges will be convinced more and more mm-hmm. that oh well, that's okay and that's okay. Sure, they can take a dog into your car, but they can't take a dog into your car if you didn't do this. Or you know, they they always yep. there's a little tweak and a little tweak that gives the cops more and more ability. The cops lose nothing if they push the limits of constitutionality. Oh, well, gosh, a pot smoker got away. Well, I guess there won't be any more of them. We must have gotten all the pot smokers. No, they lose nothing if they try to push the limits of constitutionality. They don't even they don't lose their jobs if they break, you know, break these rules. Oh, well, you're not allowed to to go you're not allowed to look under the couch. It's up to you. It's up to you to make the stand. The Constitution is just a piece of paper, and they know it, and they know they can get away with pretty much anything. But if they're up against somebody who appears to know their rights, if they're up against somebody who is telling them that they don't consent to a search, or better yet, not even talking to them in the first place, because the more you open your mouth, the more likely you're going to end up uh, getting handcuffs placed on you, the better. So regardless of what the Supreme Court decides, going up against people who are willing to stand up for themselves is what will put a slowdown on the police state. If everybody just bends over and does whatever the cops want to, well, you might as well just hand over all your money and your and your possessions and belongings. 
because that's what it'll come down to. They'll just take them from you when they want to. So people just have to learn to stand up for themselves. Let's continue here. Uh, we're done with the, the story. StopTheDrugWar.org. They've got a great weekly newsletter that goes out. You should get signed up for it. Uh, we go to Stephen, listening in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Stephen. Hello, can you hear me? You're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? All right, great. Uh, I've spent the last probably seven the uh, seven of the last 12 months in an Arab Muslim country. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to right-wing talk radio, Michael Savage, for example, or if you listen, if you read blog posts, or if you get in a chat room, or if you get an internet forum, uh, it's it's clear to me that we, Americans, are supposed to hate Islam, that it's not a war against religion, but it really is a war against religion, you know, this whole war on terror thing. And I, I report to you that these Muslims that I was working with, which were from India, Pakistan, uh, Kuwait, and Egypt, were the very most peaceful people I have ever been around in my entire life. And that is not an exaggeration. It's not, you know, uh, anything like that. I'm being absolutely literal. That's what this is all about. You know, when you're talking about guys like uh, Michael Savage, you're talking about xenophobes, people that, uh, you know, he, he harps on language, culture and borders to, uh, you know, to the nth degree. He's right. talking to people largely that have never left the United States. If they and, did and have no intention of leaving, if they did leave the United States, they left on a tour ship or rode around mm. in a tour bus, which, hey, that's a little United States bubble floating around in some other country. You didn't actually yep. leave the United States. If you drank Coca-Cola and ate hamburgers while you were in Italy, you didn't leave the United States. Stephen, if you've right. got more you want to share about your experiences, you're welcome to hang on. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. If you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head on over to wiki.freetalklive.com, and you can get interactive there. It's free, of course. Uh, School Sucks podcast. You need to know more about it. The public school system sucks off the productive capacity of hardworking people. And whether public education succeeds or fails, spoiler alert, it fails. And providing real education to the public, the cost goes up and up year after year. There are no refunds. Oh, yeah, and it also destroys individualism and curiosity. School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more. That's SchoolSucksProject.com. 
You know, I was at uh, we were at the Liberty Forum over the weekend, and there was a at the Alternatives Expo, which is just sort of an extra portion of the Liberty Forum. There was a seminar given by some unschoolers on unschooling, and unschooling is this kind of uh, subset of homeschooling. It's not the same, but it's you know it, it's it's a subset, and essentially you. It's child-directed learning is the way they described it. Yep. And so when the kid's ready to learn whatever, then, you know, that's when they're ready and they'll, uh, you know, they'll they'll do whatever. Now, when I, the student is ready, the teacher appears. <laughs> I guess. Um, I found it, uh, you know, like I might have some difficulty just sort of letting Jack learn to read on his own. But, in fact, I was sitting in front of a bunch of parents, one of which was Dr. David Friedman, okay? He was one of these unschoolers, and he was talking about how he did that with his kids, who I think are you know, certainly well-educated at this point. And they were talking about kids that learned to read at 2 versus kids that learned to read at 11. And would, they just kind of they, they figured it out on their own at, at, at different times. And, you know, I, you just compare that to the, the, the public school and, and whether it succeeds or fails. I was listening to that uh, the commercial, you say. And how could... The public school fail at teaching kids to read. I mean, you know, children naturally want to learn things like this and they don't and they they just can't pull it off. Uh, Well, what happens somehow or another? They kill off the desire to learn. And in fact, what what, was it? The the number was 20 percent in some some areas as as high as 40 percent of students graduate public school functionally illiterate. It's it's sad. We go back to Stephen in Florida. Stephen, you were talking about how you've been interacting recently with uh, some Muslim folk, uh, and this was over in another country. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And and one thing I'm glad you helped me over because there's there's one thing that I wanted to to add, and that is when I engage with uh, Americans on you know Facebook or internet forums or chat rooms or whatever, because I'm I'm an internet geek, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and this. You know, on the Internet, of course, there's this uh, uh, anonymity thing going on. So people really get to speak their minds, you know, things that they just wouldn't say in polite company. They'll, right. they'll blab about on the Internet. And, and so this is where you get to learn the true feelings of people. And I, I have encountered not just one or two, but many, probably a dozen or more people, Americans, who don't believe me that I was alone. I was the only Westerner. That, that's the other thing, too, I, I need to make sure that you understand. I was the only Westerner about 100 miles o- uh, away from the nearest city on an oil rig with about 70 different uh, Arab uh, and Pakistani Muslims. And they, You mean uh, they I didn't try to kill you in a jihad? I figured they'd right. been killing each of I have encountered at least a dozen, probably closer to two dozen Americans online who don't believe me, they think I'm lying because they think that it is impossible that a Westerner could be out in an isolated area with uh, 70 or 80 Muslims and emerge from it unscathed. Now, uh, Stephen, and, we, we know that uh, you know, maybe what you're saying is true. You were actually on the oil, oil rig with 70 Muslims. And, you know, uh, clearly these, these, these uh, subhumans understand, you know, a real white guy when they see one. But they, they fought amongst each other like, like wild animals, didn't they? Stephen? I mean, there were... They were so peaceful. I mean, it was. I just, that's the only thing I can think to say is they were so peaceful. They were hardworking uh, people. They they don't have the same sort of. Uh, 
it's not that they don't have a, a good work ethic, but they don't have the same standards of quality of work that we have. But I mean, I guess when you when you're living in a lot of these people, you know, the most high tech thing they'd seen prior to coming on the oil rig was like a fence. By the you way, uh, Julia is joining us here for the remainder of the show. Good evening, Julia. Oh, good. I Hello. like Julia. <laughs> now, Hello, Julia. So, so um, Stephen, I, just out of curiosity, yeah. were there any incidents of violence? While I mean, I, you put 70 guys together on an oil rig for uh, weeks on end, you'd think there'd be somebody would be brawling with somebody else. Did that happen at all? I, I heard that there was some sort of a, a fight between an Indian uh, Muslim guy and a Pakistani Muslim guy. Oh, they and, don't like And it never Muslim. actually came to blows, and at the end of it, they hugged. Now, oh, if you want to compare that, I was on an oil rig uh, in the United States, and there was about literally about a fight a month, and I'm talking a fist fight. Yeah, a sure. month. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's no exaggeration. It is the literal truth that these are the very most peaceful people I've ever been around in my entire life. Great. I appreciate you calling in to share that story. That's all I've ever heard. Right. Uh, and, and, of course, in any group of people you're going to deal with, there's some hotheads. I mean, that's going to be the case. But the idea that uh, people from uh, other countries are somehow more or less likely to be uh, dangerous well, is ludicrous. The, the goal, the, the only way that you're going to get humans, uh, you know, to, to really go after other humans and kill them if you is if you can somehow... Uh, demonize, demonize. yeah you've got to you've got to demonize the other team make because, them less than human yep that's the make only way it's going to work and that's that's the goal of these demagogues that go out there that say these people are bad and i don't care whether it's this decade where they're after the the illegal aliens and the uh the, the muslim people or whether they're after oh excuse me the muslim extremists um you know whether islamofascists because i don't know how you're going to find an, a muslim extremist uh, because this is an, an entirely different war in the uh you know in world war two you know you knew the bad guys by the uniforms they wore um and you know what country they were from it, it doesn't work that way with this war this is this this war essentially is using the uh the military as a police organization and that doesn't work it's like using a cleaver to uh, to to do fine, uh, you know, the job of an exacto knife. We continue here with your phone calls at 800-259-9231. Frank is in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. The uh, good Adelaide. evening, Hello, gentlemen. Frank. And a lady. There's a lady. Here. Oh, I didn't know that. I just she heard, just came in. Got in. Thank you. I want to also say good evening to the lady. And uh, <laughs> I just got back from the Whitney Biennial, which is the uh, every two years it's a survey of art in America, and the last two exhibits have included art from around the world. And all I can say is this. Uh, I expected more uh, intellectual work from the younger artists whose work is media-driven. I expected in the bad art economy... When, artists, wait, wait, wait. when you say media-driven, what, what do you mean? What, what well, there was mean? lots of video, film, uh, secondary, appropriated uh, imaging, uh, you know sort of combined with other elements, uh, so you have this sort of uh, uh, hodgepodge in a sense. Uh, so you're saying there's uh, more, video, more, more video art, more like video, digital art than there is... photography, oh, the whole bit. So you're saying there's more sound. digital artwork than there is uh, like paint, oil paintings? Is that what you're saying? There were a couple, but for the most part, they were terribly bad. They were done to be just like tacky, kitschy. And what's interesting, you would assume now... Kids the these days, Frank, kids driven. these days... Sorry. These days with the you know uh, economy the way it is and the wars in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iraq, and the corruption you know with Washington and you know the social uh, network falling apart, you would expect some more radicalized 
uh, original visions, but quite the opposite is the case. The art was very conservative, and most of the work was done by other artists over the last 50 years, so there was really nothing new or original. But there were some very good rock and roll bands in the basement of the museum tonight performing, <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Well, so. thank you, Frank. Appreciate hearing from you. The uh, Frank's Review of the Art World. Appreciate that. 800-259-9231. Art reflects what's going on, and I, 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 have, I have some concerns with what Frank said. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We'll have to get you some finger paint, uh, Mark. You can make your own. There's more coming up here. You're a rube. <laughs> I can't believe I work with you. 800 Somebody two, save me. 259 real, real talk show. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Now, all the features on the site are free. So if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the show Get on more radio stations around the country and bring more internet listeners on board as well, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over. You get perks like access to the AMP Only call-in lines, AMP Only forum, the AMP Only podcast, all over there at amp.freetalklive.com. Now, Frank in New York had called in a few moments ago to bemoan the state of art in America uh, today, creative artwork, that kind of thing. Uh, he was saying that he went to some sort of show, which uh, he said the word Whitney involved in it. As Whitney, I recall. yeah. Well, anyway, he was very disappointed. And so, aside from with what he saw of the young people's artwork, so aside from it being uh, from what he was basically saying, kind of ringing as okay, older guy doesn't get the younger generation's art. What's new? And that's kind of the first, my first response. You know what actually came to mind to me? What I, I mean, I kind of. I, to be honest, I, I'm not involved in the art community. There are certain kinds of digital art I can appreciate, photography, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I'm not, and even paintings and stuff. So I, I do have a have a soft spot for some paintings that I that I like, but I don't really know that much about art. Um, however, me what first came to mind for me when I think modern art, I I tend to think I don't like it. And I pictured a long time ago, your mom sent a Christmas card. And it had a picture of your parents and your sister, and she was at her art graduation and her art project, which she went to school for. And when I think about modern (laughs) artists, this is exactly the kind of person I think about. It looked like she sprayed some, like... Some great stuff that like foam installation, <laughs> like on the wall for a while, and it it hardened and became this sculpture sort of thing. But yeah. it was just the stupidest, most uncreative thing ever. And this was your sister's final project. Uh, you know, I've... and that's what I think of when I think of what Frank was talking about yeah. in modern art. And I, ha- if that's sort of what we're talking about, I think it sucks too. The very, very best of new art I tend to like, and this is this is kind of like the way I am with rap music and country music too. The very, very top end of it, 
I like. But the rest of uh, modern art looks like somebody, uh, you know, took a, a public garbage can, spray painted and swatted it with a baseball bat a few times. You know, it just doesn't look like anything but garbage to me. I, I've just known so many of these people, these young the people. Yeah, like who go, who wanted, they dreamed to go to art school. And they, they always say the same cliche things like, I can't, if I'm not surrounded by art, I can't be inspired. And, and that's what I think of when I think of this modern art culture. Culture, and the stuff they do just tends to suck. I, it just doesn't. It doesn't grab me. It doesn't seem to be as creative. And the the other end of it is that the ones that uh, you know they they go to art school and they realize, holy crap, I can't make a living doing this. You know, yeah. like they they thought they were going to. I, right, I remember because if you go to college, you're guaranteed a really good paying job. Right. I, this, this happened to me once. No um, matter what the major. I was putting together a business with a friend, and you wait, you don't want to hire somebody to spray great stuff all over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and what I does mean, your sister do now? She's like going back to school going to be back a to cook school to be or a something. Chef, yeah. yeah, because. I needed a guy to uh, to make a little logo, uh, you know, just a, a little character for the for a website that we were making, and uh, you know, he's he drew a couple of things, just kind of sketched some stuff out. It wasn't it wasn't ready for prime time by any stretch of the imagination, and um, you know, I said, so how much do you want for it? And he's like, I don't know, you tell me. And I said, how about a hundred bucks? And he said, a hundred bucks. I was insulted. He was absolutely floored by how little I offered him. This was probably going to be his first paid gig ever as an artist, and I offered him a hundred dollars for drawing a little character on a piece of paper. And he, like he was, he was just absolutely flabbergasted. Just an eight by ten? I'm sorry, an eight, by, eight and a half by eleven. My God, dude, it wasn't. It, the, 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 I needed a couple of inches. I mean, and really, how long literally. Did it take him to draw it? But he he hadn't he hadn't completed. We hadn't uh, we I hadn't see. really com, um, finished, and I didn't even know what I needed. I just needed a character sort of drawn up, and, yeah. and my friend was going to put it online or or whatever. Um, so. I, I, the, the guy was absolutely flabbergasted, and we, nev- we never honestly spoke again after that. Um, it sort of reminds me. There's this bagel shop. In I was going to ask you about that. And there were there they feature like a local artist every month or whatever. And there was this one artist who. Gosh, I swear I could do I could do this. There were these very basic, like in bright paint, she would draw like a bird, and it was done by like three circles, one for a body, one for a head, a beak, and then there was like some spots, and all of them had this similar style, but they were very simple. I'm terrible at painting and drawing and that kind of thing, and I could have done it. Looked I, like the I work swear. of a, a fifth grader. Right. It was very, like, silly. And she she claimed, you know, like, this is my niche abstract. Uh, this is my style. And it, I mean, anybody, a fifth grader could have done this. And and they were like, the big one was like $1,000 and the little ones were like $200 and not one sold. And there's a reason. Who would pay that? Right. I, I support anybody uh, doing their art. Please do your art, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, slap a price tag. Pour your tag heart on. onto the canvas. Yeah. Pour, <laughs> slap a price tag on it um get you know go and market yourself to businesses like this this coffee shop this bagel shop um and you know get your art displayed for mm-hmm. people to see and then you know you'll you'll see whether or not it sells um you know some some if artists, it doesn't sell lower your damn price <laughs> well i mean at some point or another it's not worth doing anymore because yeah. if you're selling if if you're spending if you're spending two weeks uh, doing a piece of art that you sell for two hundred dollars that's true you need to go to work at mcdonald's that's a good point. So uh, so on one hand, it could be 
you know, older guy uh, d- d- that just doesn't appreciate the younger people's artwork, or maybe d- dumbing down is a factor. Maybe that art is really getting worse over time, or maybe it's not. Maybe there have always been just awful, throw crap up against a wall kind of uh, artwork that doesn't seem to take a lot of uh, talent or a lot of uh, I, I time. Tend, I tend to uh, trust Frank in this area. I mean, he just sounds like a guy that no one his he is art refined. when he sees it. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to, uh, you know, trust him in this area, but I would agree that that uh, they don't but he's call, twice the age they don't of call these people art shows the art shows anymore they call them installations um and mm. these installations oh, yeah. will be a video and in, in a lot of cases it's it's not just the art it's the experience of viewing the art I, that actually reminds me my ex-boyfriend when i was like 17 my high school sweetheart or whatever he went to an art school and he was one of these people that just you know had to be inspired by going to art college and he's like depressed about life because he can't afford it basically but um he i had to go to this one of this this installation i didn't even really know what that meant but i guess it was just to put arch on on show yes, they're installing and art on the it, wall all it was was like a bunch of murals in a one room like a closet or something in the school that they had like put up and I think they they played like the White Rabbit that song and it was supposed to be like an Alice in Wonderland thing and they put a rabbit in there and really all it was was like some crappy acrylic paints on a you know a big piece of paper in this room and it wasn't anything but they called it an installation and it was like a really big deal and I remember being there and being like what's going on why are people paying to see this. Well, were they paying to see it? Yeah. Well, they were, the reason they were paying to see it is because their kid. Yeah, I, I get that. But. You know, so I, 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 I had some art in a county fair. Now, well, I didn't have to pay. I, I guess you paid to get into the county fair, uh, but you know, I didn't. You didn't have to pay in to, to walk into the art fair portion, and, and we did get to ride the gravitron. So awesome! Um, <laughs> right, the gravitron better than the art show. I was on a gravitron, uh, gravitron once when a kid got a bloody nose. Did he fall? No, no, it's just, just the blood spinning. went all over the seat. That's I, all. I got on the Gravitron sort of sideways where the, the slider thing and actually uh, slipped and fell and hit my face on the oh. uh, AstroTurf on the ground. So I got a bloody face on the AstroTurf. Uh, and it might have been the same one. I'm not, I'm not certain. But I'm sorry. Those time, are great memories. I love the, the Gravitron. Go ahead with <laughs> I cared about My favorite art. fair ride. Yeah, I'm not is. one of those fair people that really gets into the fair <laughs> rides, but I do love the Gravitron. I, I cared about art at that time, so I tend to, you know, I walked around and stuff like that. I got some ribbons. They weren't first place. I don't really remember. That's about it. So, but is art really getting worse over the years, or is Frank just getting older? And what do you think? Are you somebody that's paid attention? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Because I'm not. I'm, I'm, no, I'm like I'm Julia. not either. You know, I've seen some stuff, and eh, nah, nah. You know, I've got my reactions to it, and all right, I've got a, a painting on my wall that I paid more than uh, that I paid a thousand dollars for. Lord. So I'm actually a, an art consumer. I don't think you've even seen it, Ian. I, I don't imagine you've paid attention if you have wandered wandered around my house. And you don't we, have a big house. We have uh, we have several uh, original pieces of art at our house. Where'd so you I, get it? Um, in Sarasota, at a, a, you went to an installation. St- I, I wouldn't have called it installation. This was a, this was a like um, a storefront kind of. Yeah, it was a storefront. I can't remember what they what they call a, those off the top of my head. Is that but, a bad way to buy art? Do the artists look down on buying art from a storefront, or is that okay? I think that's just fine. It's fine. Okay. I mean, it's it's it wasn't a storefront. It was a storefront that you know that had art. It wasn't a, wasn't a studio. I can't remember the right term. It's not coming to my mind at this time. But this was a place that professionally sold art. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So right now is- I wish I could get my grand back, though. It's kind of like my tattoo. <laughs> I had to have it at the time, but... Is it getting worse over time? Really, is Frank right and is uh, modern art worse today than modern art was 20 years ago than modern art was uh, 20 years before that? 
Or is it just that uh, Frank can't appreciate the, uh, the new modern art? 1-800-259-9231. Are people really being dumbed down in the world of artwork? It's a possibility. I mean, the government schools are dumbing people down in other ways. Hour number three is on the way. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. It's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We've been on a relatively law law enforcement-ish theme tonight, talking about how to deal with the police earlier on in the show. If you're just tuning in now, you can always grab archives later tonight when the show goes up over at freetalklive.com. Uh, But let's uh, switch to a little bit of news from the Associated Press, San Francisco. Now that a proposal to legalize pot is on the ballot in California. Good for them. There's there's one thing that California manages to do right, (laughs) and that is change the drug laws in a positive manner that can uh, reduce harm done to the people who are uh, interested in uh, pursuing those pursuits of uh, drugs. And, you know, they did in back in 1996 uh, with a fairly overwhelming vote, uh, legalized medicinal cannabis. It took, unfortunately, a good decade for that to really start to stick. Uh, but now they're looking at voting on actually legalizing cannabis yeah. all out. You know, and I I think that most people in California that wanted to, at least a lot of people that want to smoke pot, probably do with, oh, the, with, their, with their doctor's uh, permission. And the rest of them do anyway. Yeah, yes, and they I, do. I don't th- imagine that the, the local and state authorities spend much time enforcing uh, marijuana laws there. But Not these days, but they did in the beginning. It took them a long time to really let go. And, and that was, it's been more than, more, a almost 15, and a half. Yeah. Yeah, 15 years since they since they did it. And I um, you know, they've sort of moved towards it. But I'd like to talk about uh, just briefly, what is it? You know, how many people smoke marijuana that would otherwise have, uh, you know, be doing harder drugs, have gotten addicted to harder drugs, use marijuana to get off of harder drugs? I mean, I, I am, I know, I know people who have used marijuana maintenance program where they've been addicted to harder drugs and it, they quit cold turkey or whatever with those harder drugs and they use the marijuana to get them through the uh, the withdrawal symptoms. Yep, I absolutely know people that have uh, you know these sort of addictive personalities and they would be addicted to anything. Um, and and of course there's absolutely addictive drugs out there and they had been on these addictive drugs and they switched their addiction essentially over to marijuana and they smoked marijuana mm-hmm. every day. They were functional. They uh, you know they went to, they right. went to work. They had jobs. They it they, they changed their life from not no longer functional to functional and the way they did that by, was by using marijuana and i feel that's a step up you it's know, a miracle the, drug it really is the, um, you know these people with the these addictive attitude you know these addictive personalities they they sm- they're going to smoke cigarettes they're going to be um, addicted to eating ice cream every night they're you know whatever it is that they I like that to problem. do <laughs> I, I, it just happens you know it the, the question really is is it is it a, where does addiction start and stop and i i've often struggled with this i think you really it, you're addicted when uh, it's affecting you negatively the addiction is affecting your life negatively so if you eat ice cream every night and you're fat 
you're addicted. You spend all your money on ice cream. Uh, you can't stop spending money on ice cream. Well, uh, ice cream doesn't cost that much. Yeah, you so keep, right. I would say if yeah, uh, you, keep getting fatter. you were getting fatter and you had a problem with getting fatter, because I think some people don't care. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I see oh, some yeah. people who are so fat that, I mean, they must just not care. And so for those people, if, if they cared and they continued to eat ice cream as well as other, I would say being addicted to junk food can be a real problem for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Being addicted to like snacks like Cheetos and and or being addicted to fast food like greasy foods, mm-hmm. that kind of thing could be a problem and that could affect you in a negative way. So yeah, I think it's the neg- the the negative effects of your habit that I think turn a habit into an addiction. But you're welcome to tell us what you think an addiction is. 800-259-9231. I mean, would you agree, uh, Julia, Mark, that that is one of the hallmarks of uh, of an addiction that that's, that kind of changes from a habit into an addiction when it starts to have negative effects on your life? I don't think that uh, that that that's what defines addiction. No, but uh, you know, it I, I'm not sure either. It, it, to me, it, it really is different. Uh, it, it's, it's really difficult to say. I want to have soda every single day. I like to drink a glass of soda at least. And if and once I have the first one, I want two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so am I addicted to soda? Caffeine certainly is addictive, but I could get caffeine in other fashions. I like to get my caffeine delivered to me in the fashion of a soda. Um, you know, so I like that, but but I'm trying to cut out the high fructose corn syrup out of my diet. Obviously, you can't do both of these things. Well, you can if you order your soda from uh, Mexico or something. So actually, like all soda in the entire world that that I know of, I mean, not that I'm an African soda expert or anything, but but like soda from Mexico, Canada, I, I think Canada? the United States. Oh yeah, like the Jones sodas are raw cane sugar. I mm-hmm. believe that America is the only country that really has that obsession with the high fructose corn syrup, and I think it has to do with the tariffs on sugar. Like even though raw sugar is way cheaper to process. Uh, we pay more money uh, for it because of the tariffs on it. That's right. You're right. So we get worse soda that has that that real sticky, strong sugar that I I think soda from Mexico and Canada tastes better with the raw cane sugar. I tried out that Jones soda, and you certainly can't say it tastes bad. Addiction, a physical or psychological need for a habit-forming substance such as drug or alcohol. In physical addiction, the body adapts to the substance being used and gradually requires increased amounts to reproduce the effects originally produced by smaller doses. Definition two, a habitual or compulsive involvement in an activity such as gambling. So with a very generic definition like that. uh, It could be anything. It could be. But I think that's the the point I was making with eating ice cream at night. Right. But I think that, right, there are different levels of severity of an addiction, right? So the more severe it is, I think the more detrimental it is to your normal life. Like we were talking about uh, recently on the program the, uh, the the people that are addicted to World of Warcraft or these other EverQuest, uh, these online multi massively multiplayer uh, online games. So at some level, you've got a habit where you're there every night pay- playing for an hour. That's probably not too detrimental. But if you're there for eight hours a day, every single day, you're skipping work, you're you're breaking up with your girlfriend, you're missing uh, your your mortgage payments. You know, if that's what's happening, then you've got a what I would say is a severe addiction. So I think there's a I think there's a continuum here that uh, that we're talking about. Anyway, uh, back to the uh, the story about uh, the California vote. They're going to vote on uh, on legalizing m- marijuana, legalizing cannabis. 
The story from the Associated Press is that uh, now that it's on the ballot, well-organized groups are lining up on both sides of the debate. And it's not just tie-dyed hippies versus anti-drug crusaders. So far, the most outspoken groups on the issue are those affiliated with California's legal medical marijuana industry and law enforcement officials who vehemently oppose any loosening of drug laws. But the campaign that unfolds before the November election could yield some unusual allies. Free market libertarians joining police officers frustrated by the drug war to support the measure. And pot growers worried about falling prices pairing with Democratic politicians to oppose it. The Democrats are opposing legalization of cannabis? Others believe legalizing and taxing the drug could improve the state's flagging economy. Jack Cole, president of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, says we spend so much time, our police do, chasing around these nonviolent drug offenders, we don't have time anymore to protect our people from murderers and child molesters. He's uh, from LEAP, the group that plans to champion the California proposal between now and the election. The initiative known as the Tax Cannabis Act received enough signatures this week to qualify for the November ballot. If it's approved, California will become the first state to legalize marijuana for recreational use by adults, or at least to re-legalize uh, marijuana, because it used to be completely legal uh, within this last hundred years. The measure would also give local governments the authority to regulate and tax pot sales. According to the campaign finance records, nearly all of the more than $1.3 million spent on the campaign to qualify the question came from businesses controlled by the proposal's main backer, Oakland medical marijuana entrepreneur Richard Lee. Lee operates a medical marijuana dispensary and cafe in downtown Oakland and is the founder of Oaksterdam University, which trains people to run their own medical marijuana businesses. Well, at least they can run their own businesses if they don't live in L.A., where the L.A. City Council has limited the amount of uh, medical marijuana dispensaries from 1,000, which is where it, where it was. They, there was no limit before. They've limited it down to like 70 or something ludicrous like that. But otherwise, you can uh, open up your mar- marijuana shop. The largest donations from an individual came from George Zimmer, the founder and chief executive of the men's clothing chain, Men's Warehouse. Television viewers know Zimmer as the uh, from the Fremont Company's longtime or as the Fremont-based company's longtime pitchman in commercials, but he's also known as a longtime supporter of efforts to liberalize the nation's drug laws. Opponents contend that a legalization effort will pit a few wealthy individuals against regular Californians who will provide the groundswell needed to defeat the measure. You have rich dilettantes who want to legalize drugs and ordinary people who consider the ramifications of legalization on their communities and their families. According to John Lovell, lobbyists representing several law enforcement groups opposed to the initiative because uh, families are going to get hurt by legal marijuana, right? We'll uh, talk about it here in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. What you want. Dial in toll free at 800 259 9231. The Sickle CAI toll free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download. They're yours free right there on the front page of the website. In fact, in our podcast, they go all the way back to the beginning of 2009. Free for you at freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com's seven day challenge. 
For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine. Experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, but unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today, startpage.com. Not only do you have privacy in your search, but if you use the little proxy link that comes under each search result, you'll uh, visit the website without the website even knowing you're there, and you normally have to pay for that service, startpage.com. California may get it wrong in most areas, but in the area of drug reform, they are leading the the rest of the the United States. Uh, they they're they're doing a great job, and they've got actually uh, legalizing marijuana on the ballot for this November. They got the required number of signatures, and of course, they had to approach it by let's tax it. You know, they had to come from that particular approach. I guess I'd rather see taxed marijuana than black market marijuana. The, well, people that people put in jail for using um, marijuana, yes, I would. Yeah, agree. that too. All the, all the, well, the that's lives what happens ruined. to the black market. Yep, it sure does. And then there's the violence that comes up around it. And, of course, the marijuana trade isn't the, the most violent of the drug trades, but it's still there. There's still It drives up the price incredibly. Scam um, artists are there. <laughs> you know, when you're talking about a, you know, a quarter ounce being, well, what, what's a good quarter? You can pay 150 for a good quarter, can't you? Yeah, that's, a little, that's still a little steep. 120. 120. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you can pay 120 for a good quarter. Once it becomes legalized, you're talking 12 for, a good, for a good quarter. And then they put the taxes on it, double it to 24. And, mm-hmm. and everybody saves money and the government you know, stuffs money in his pockets. And Everybody's happy. Yep. And then they'll triple the taxes. But, of course, there are opponents. And as you might imagine, the opponents are mostly the police. Uh, the lobbyist representing several law enforcement groups opposed to the initiative said, you have rich dilettantes who want to legalize drugs and ordinary people who consider the ramifications of legalization on their communities and their families. Well, what ramifications are you talking about? Besides None. The fact Big that, scary ones. Besides the, the ones that we were just talking about. The idea that uh, the price would go down and that crime would likely, uh, some some crime would dry up. Obviously, crime, violent crime is not going to dry up completely because all the other drugs are still illegal. But well, it's not, a, it, it, there's probably not a lot of violent crime that surrounds marijuana, but what it would do is it would uh, free up cops that find marijuana to be the easiest thing, easiest way to get busts and stuff like that to yeah. do other things. But that's that may be true, Mark. But also there are uh, there's a lot of fraud. While there may not be a lot of robberies when it comes to marijuana, there are robberies. I know people who've been robbed uh, for marijuana. Mm. But there's also fraud. I remember when we had that call from the guy in Finland? I think it was. He went uh, into a back alley to buy a bag of marijuana from some guy he didn't really know. And you know, it was too dark, so he really wasn't sure what he was getting. But the guy got his money. He got the sure. marijuana, and then he found out it was oregano or something like that. Right. There's stuff fraud. like that happens a lot the, the, in the robbery, black market. The robbery of marijuana purveyors, I don't think the average person in the public really cares that much about, unless it happens to be somebody they love that gets hurt or, or you know you know loses a bunch of money or whatever. Normally, what people care about as far as violence is violence that's committed in order to get the money to buy the the substance that they're addicted. to. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of marijuana-related crime in that area. You know, maybe uh, kids steal money from their parents or something like that in order to get it. Maybe they do a little bit of shoplifting and pawn it. I know somebody who saw, husband, uh, who saw a husband steal money out of his wife's purse to uh, to buy some marijuana. So there's there's some fraud going on out there, and uh, and the price would go down. Fact is, there are some people that are on the, you know, kind of on the line of being able to just barely make their bills uh, to pay their bills. And so saving them hundreds of dollars a week in uh, marijuana purchases, because some people buy an eighth a day. <laughs> there are some people that buy that much marijuana, eighth of an ounce uh, per day. Some, some probably buy more than that. 
Anyway, uh, let me go back to the story here. Lavelle, the uh, cops, uh, cop spokes bureaucrats, uh, pointed to a lopsided defeat of a 2008 ballot issue that would have punished, excuse me, pushed treatment instead of prison for drug offenders as a sign of voters' leanings. Supporters of the measure heavily outspent opponents, but it was defeated 59 to 41 percent. Well, that doesn't really say too much. Maybe, uh, maybe those people realized that forcing people into a uh, government sell for treatment. They already knew they'd have to pay for it one way or the other. Right. Uh, forcing people into treatment wasn't necessarily that much better than forcing them into a prison cell. Either way, you're What still... I love about the idea of forcing someone into treatment is, do you honestly think that if somebody doesn't want to quit drugs on their own, they're going to do it? No way. You I, have to want that. I tend to think that there's a, you know, the, the, essentially treatment centers are brainwashing. Um, and I think, I tend to think that there are some people that, at least for a period of time, and some people for, for much longer, you know, forever, the, the, the treatment works even if they didn't want it initially. Um, you know, are you that speculating they want, on that or you, do you know any stories about I, that? I, can, I know drug Having users, been through drug treatments myself, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know that people, you know, they want to get through it. They want to get out of it. They, you know, they, they want to succeed for whatever They want reason. to get out of the treatment so they can go get high, usually. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I can't tell you any stories because the drug treatment I was in was in prison. Yeah. I was in for seven <laughs> years after I finished drug treatment. So I, I don't have a lot of stories of people who got out. But I know a lot of people that, that did get out that were very successful. So, you know, it's, it's probably know. true that some people that are forced to put to go through treatment end up quitting drugs. But uh, I agree with Julia that if you want to If they quit, want treatment, they should have to pay for it. I don't want yeah, to pay to treat people who have a marijuana addiction. I'm just not interested in that. I mean, no. it's incredible the amount of money that it costs to send somebody to one of these things. You're talking three or four thousand dollars a right. month for the cheap ones for marijuana not, so they can what quit and start drinking right and when you're talking about sending somebody there against their will then you have to increase that cost by tenfold because they have to put you know you locking doors there, yeah. and guards and all kinds of other things on there right. i don't care if they want to smoke pot fine that I, doesn't it doesn't <laughs> confront me i remember once i had a friend when i was like 17 and and he went to drug treatment and he used to try to get us to send him like acid like it's within a letter thing, yeah. because exactly like under the stamp or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's just funny because here's somebody in drug treatment and he he's has to, to be there. And he's trying to get his hands on any drugs he can. And since acid doesn't have an odor to it, he was trying to get friends to sneak it in. And it's just funny that he was just more bored there. So yep. he wanted to do drugs even more. Yeah, I mean, obviously what I was involved with wasn't treatment, but when I was in jail with uh, three other guys, every single one of them wanted to get out so they could smoke a cigarette. You know, they were just waiting for the moment where they could get out so they could in- ingest some sort of chemical. Another one of the guys was uh, withdrawing from heroin while he was in there as well. And That's uh, a great place to withdraw from heroin, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was shaking and sweating and all of that. Poor guy. Probably. Um, all, I yeah, mean, you, know, you can die I, from that. That's sad. But, you know, hey. The, he's not going to stop doing it. He's uh, been in there before. It wasn't his first time in that jail. This right, that system doesn't cha- doesn't stop people from doing uh, these things. Mark, it's called corrections facility for a reason, <laughs> yeah, right? right? <laughs> because they they understood that rehabilitation meant that you had to have been habilitated at some point. Um, you, you actually had to have been habilitated. They could so they could rehabilitate you. So that term was was overused, and they decided to go with another term. But changing the term doesn't change anything. I I one of my best friends. I still talk to him. You know, he's finally out and basically gotten his life back together. You know, together it never was together from the time that he was 12 on till i think he's probably still in probation he's been a ward of the state 
800-259-9231. One of the shocking parts of this story is that the Democrats are against le- some of the Democrats are against legalization. When you think of Democrats, you don't normally think of that, but it just goes to show that there is no principle behind Republicans or Democrats. They just do whatever it is that's politically expedient or whatever it is they believe is uh, politically expedient for them. More coming up here. Uh, you can take control of the airwaves, your thoughts on uh, legalization, or bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. What you want? Dial in toll free 800 259 9231. It's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 800 259 9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Our webcam is there. You can go and see the show if you would like. Uh, when we are doing it live, you can go to cam.freetalklive.com. There's actually a chat room in the same page, so you can and we are watch doing it live. and chat, and we are doing it live right now. Uh, you can go to cam.freetalklive.com. It's free, by the way, cam.freetalklive.com. Frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? Well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. I did it. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org, and I have to say that it was one of the best decisions I made in my life. Very uh, very pleased to be here in New Hampshire with these hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people who come together like a family to, uh, to help each other out when uh, aggressed against by the state. They're working on, in major ways to, uh, to change things within the system, outside of the system, civil disobedience, creating media. It is such an exciting movement. Over 10,000 people are currently signed up as participants in the Free State Project. We're working our way toward 20,000, and we could use your help. Please go to freestateproject.org to get involved. That's freestateproject.org. And uh, we're talking about California and how they're looking at legalizing cannabis this November on the ballot. Uh, Some of the cops, of course, are coming out against it. And uh, we'll talk about some of the Democrats that are apparently opposing it as well. But first, we go to Donald in Nebraska to take your phone calls. Donald, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight, Donald? Well, you know, uh, the whole marijuana thing, good idea. Lots of revenue there, but, uh, you know, the pharmaceuticals. Don't want that. They want you on their drugs and nothing that uh, could actually grow natural. Well, there, there may be some truth to that statement, but you don't normally see the pharmaceuticals sending uh, representatives to testify against legalization. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Are you suggesting that perhaps they would send money to the anti-legalization I, uh, movements? I don't. I think they probably would. Yeah, I was going to say I have no evidence to support this, but I would not be surprised at all if pharmaceutical companies were lobbying for politicians to keep marijuana oh, yeah. illegal. Well, I believe that there. I believe, and I, I don't recall the details on this, but I believe some pharmaceutical companies are members of the Partnership for a Drug-Free America, as is uh, Budweiser and uh, some of the major yeah. alcohol manufacturers. They are keep they, kids off drugs. Right. The, the drug manufacturers are the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, they must have some great plantations somewhere, I hope. And somehow they can sleep at night. They can do it somehow. It, it, it's it's uh, shocking to me. So, Donald, well, any other thoughts their... for us? No. Well, uh, as far as addictions, you're right. You have to want to quit. You you can't force it on somebody. You can't force them to quit. It's, it's going to happen. I used to smoke for eight years. I quit. I just... Just got tired of it. I used to drink. I got tired of it. Yep. 
I think, I mean, the proof really is like when you talk to people who smoke cigarettes, they've heard all of the horrible things, you know, the side oh, effects for smoking. Yeah. They know that it causes cancer. They know they don't care. It's it's worth it to them. So I mean, if that isn't proof, I mean, I don't know what is. You make your own choice and you have to live with your own consequences. That's freedom. Thanks, Donald, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Brand listening right. in Florence to WVNA. Brand, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight? Hey. Hey, Brian. Hey, I was just going to say that, you know, I listen to you guys all the time. Thanks. And I'll tell you, you guys are a breath of fresh air. You're the only people that are willing to stick it out there and actually speak truth to power and say the things that are hard to say that these standard Americans can't tolerate and don't want to hear. I've made a career out of it. <laughs> Listen, these folks, I'm living in the Bible Belt here. I'm living in the place oh, yeah. where right-wing conservatism is just rampant. And, you know, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb because I spent 10 years in the military and the Air Force, traveled all over, worked with all kinds of people, and uh, now I'm back. And, man, I'm just like, where am I? Is This, this isn't even my country anymore. I well, mean, we're not conservatives, of course, as you know. I mean, we're not liberals either, though. So, I mean, we're well, we're just that, for freedom. That's me too. I don't know what to call myself. You know, How about a freedomist? I don't agree. I don't agree with either side totally. Well, what what do you believe? Well, I, you know, I'm I'm pro-choice. I think it's a woman's right to choose. I, I would hope she wouldn't choose to do that, but if she does, it's her choice. It, it's her body. And, but at the same time, you know, uh, things like, uh, I don't know, like health care. I believe it works in England. Uh, I've been there. I've seen it. Went to the doctor there. Have you seen their teeth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's that working? They got free but, dental, you know, too. But, I mean, ser- but seriously, you know, I mean, they, they have that. The Republicans always want to throw off long lines, long lines. And the people that I know that have actually been there, done that, not just, hearsay people that have went to the doctors in those countries they're they're not they don't ever tell me that you know let me me jump in here on this uh because uh, you're really looking at the wrong issue when it comes to health care there are a lot of stories out there about socialized medicine and typically the 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 positive reviews tend to come from younger folks who really don't have the worst problems and they're still paying taxes so the system is interested in taking care of them but when you look at older folks uh they tend to not be taken care of as well but nonetheless these are just the distractions the real issue is force. The real issue is, is it appropriate to force your neighbor to pay for your operation? And I would say that the answer to that is no. What would you say? Well, I would say this. Here, here's something else that I believe. Mm. I believe the problem has started with the providers. Everybody wants to blame the insurance companies, and, and, and you know they're part of the problem. But it starts with my mother going two months ago to get a crown fixed and the dentist charging wanting to charge her 800 bucks until she tells him that she had lost her insurance recently and then he cuts it to 450 so he's trying to recover money on people that he did did work on that didn't ever pay him well you can't do that you can't I, I listen i got no sympathy for anybody in the medical business if you're not in the medical business 
to help people, you're in it for the wrong reason. If you're in it, wait, you have wait your- a second. Um, I, you know, business, business people do this in in every line of work, and I understand medicine has this sort of emotional thing around it. But couldn't you say the same thing about plumbers? I've dickered with plumbers and gotten a better deal. I mean, if you you if you didn't get into plumbing to help people go poo, then you aren't in the right business. Um, you know, well, advertising well, it works the same way. Uh, p- people in advertising, uh, you know, will set higher prices and dicker their way down. I don't do it on Free Talk Live because I don't because I find it immoral personally. But if you didn't get into advertising to help people grow their business, you aren't in the right business, right? I mean, you could use this line of thinking anywhere. You could, you could. But when it comes to life and death, I think it's a different standard. How about food? I mean, don't people have a right to food? I mean, if that's life and death, if you don't get food. I've dickered for uh, sandwiches before. Do you think the person was trying to starve me? Well, that, that argument could be made. But, I mean, personally, I can't see how how somebody could ethically look at somebody else, whether it's a lawyer or a doctor that's living in a million-dollar mansion, and they think they deserve it because they, they graduated from medical school. And they went through 12 years of school. They're schooling. taking from someone else to have that. They're not taking they, they anything that from anyone. You, you have I got to, news for them. It's not. They're I'm not taking. Disability. They're not I taking. I walk around. I got steel rods in my spine. I, I, I'm, and, I'm sorry to hear that you have a I, medical I disability. I living anymore. I'm and sorry to hear it, but so I'm on a person, the other end of the spectrum. A person well, isn't stealing I from you by providing a service. Making, you know, he, he couldn't hear you. Yeah, I know. Brand? Now that I'm on the other end. I'm seeing how the other half lives, and it's not. It doesn't. Brand, you know, no, none of the amount. When, no personal tragic you have to story. Wait years to go to the doctor because <laughs> I love the you stopping. can't afford health care. Brand, can you hear me? I can't pay the premiums. Brand, don't have the money. There you I, go. I actually said it while he wasn't talking. Brand, so you got to do something. Brand, you can't just let people die. I agree with you. You shouldn't let just let people die, and I don't think I, I have suggested that, or anyone on this show has suggested that. Uh, what we would suggest, I think, and I, I think I can speak for all of us in the studio. We're here. I don't think you can hear us for some reason, though. So oh, let's put them on. Put them on hold. Uh, the the suggestion is that people who need help should get it on a consensual basis. Let's stop forcing people into programs they may or may not necessarily agree with. We can continue in a moment. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but enough time for your call at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You like this show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Learn how to promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com. whole list of things that you can do there to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to promote.freetalklive.com. Tonight, it's Ian with you. Did I do that already? And Julia, okay. I'm and sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I I've never track. done that. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm hanging out. Not there. a problem. Brand dropped off the line, unfortunately, but uh, I still wanted to kind of talk about what he was getting to. Because the position seems to be that you're either, in popular culture, the position in the news media, the position seems to be that you're either in favor of the uh, the government's health care reform proposal or the Democrats or w- whatever, the, the one that just passed. Uh, you're either in favor of that or you hate sick people. And that's a false choice. 
first of all, I'm not in favor of whatever the hell the Republicans are proposing because I know it has nothing to do with freedom. Just some other alternative configuration of government regulation of the healthcare industry. It's really convenient, isn't it, that they've they've basically made it like pinned people against each other by making it seem like there are only two two sure. solutions every single time. It, it's a brilliant system. Uh, a brilliant system that does exactly that, that pits people against one another in this internecine conflict that never comes to a true uh, close. It never ends. And so it's not true that if you aren't in favor of the government pro, pro, uh, program that you hate sick people. I think people who need help should get the help that they need. I'm just not willing to enslave my next door neighbor in order to do that. And that's what taxes are. That's what the whole system is based on. The entirety of the governmental system, whether we're talking about federal, local, state, is based on taxation. That is forced uh, confiscation of people's wealth into the hands of government bureaucrats who then turn around and do whatever the hell they want with it. Now, maybe some people do end up getting helped by this, but that's not the optimum way to do things. It's it's a, the most inherently immoral system you can imagine to essentially victimize absolutely everybody, with the exception of the people that just love paying taxes. The, I guess they are not being victimized. But the rest of us that don't really appreciate what the government's doing, like bombing people in the Middle East, uh, you know, or whatever other government programs, putting uh, 1.5 million Americans in jail in the war on drugs every single year. You can just go down the laundry list of tyrannical, awful things the government is doing. Just because they give somebody some heart medication uh, in the midst of all the killing that they do, the killing and the robbing and the stealing and the threatening that they do, doesn't justify the robbing, the stealing, and the killing, the threatening. And so well, stop it. And, and let's not forget that uh, you know the government has ruined the healthcare system as it currently stands in the United States. Yes. This is the standard, not greedy doctors. standard operating procedure for government. They get involved, they screw things up, they make more r- rules, they get further involved and further involved until they're so thoroughly involved that they, you know, the, the, the government crumbles around them. And then we start it all over again. That's the way it works. That's the the system. If the government was out, out of medic, uh, medicine right now, you'd see more innovations, lower prices, and more competition. You're not going to see competition when you have single payer. Single payer is, by definition, a monopoly. And you don't get innovation out of monopolies. Plain and simple. Ever. I mean, that's that's why monopolies are bad, because they don't serve the public property. Why in the world? I mean, everybody knows monopolies are bad. Why in the world would you want them to put one in charge of the most uh, most important aspects of our lives? I guess getting electricity monopolies. It's this fantasy that it's this fantasy idea that, well, it's different than a monopoly, Mark, because you can elect the board members. (laughs) <laughs> that's it right I mean, as far as i could tell these incumbents get elected 90 something percent of the time because the vast majority of people aren't involved they don't know what's going on i shouldn't have to research you know hours and hours a day to find out which congress critter is doing what so that i can elect or um, you know not elect them no i'm not interested in that it's a crappy business model and it needs competition you know, it kind of reminds me of all the time that is spent in uh, on local talk radio. They they spend a lot of time talking about the school and the school board and the, the you know various different micromanaging of the decisions of the education system. And I just think to myself, you know, I'm glad I don't have to uh, call in to some talk show to talk to politicians about how to run Walmart or how to run a department store. I don't have to deal with all the the human resources issues of who's getting what raises and in what way they're getting raises and the health care plans and, because all of these issues when it's a government 
government program become public debate. They become a public issue. I, I don't care what Walmart does as far as their policies are concerned. If I don't like it, if I find out about it and I don't like it, I can grow, uh, go across town. But not so with the, with the one-size-fits-all government system. Let's go to uh, Jack listening to WVTS in Charleston, West Virginia. Jack, you're on Free Talk Live with the Julia and Mark. Hello. Jack, you're on the air. Okay. Uh, I was uh, wanting to point out that health care is basically something that is given to another human being by another human being, and that's where it starts at, is treating a human being like a human being. Yes, sir. Treating humans like humans, I think, is absolutely appropriate, which means not robbing, stealing, and threatening them. Would you agree? Are you comprehending well, me? Well, yes, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I would like to know what happened to the days when uh, people, uh, in order to see a doctor, and all they had to pay was a, was a couple of chickens or a ham or something. And, uh and and what what happened to that? Well, that's a good question. Be, that's a good question. It used to be a doctor went into the profession to help other human beings. Yep. yep. And a lot of them still do. Thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Julia, your um, uh, brother Luther came over today uh, to get some directions to the doctor. And can you tell a little bit about that doctor? The do- about- my doctor? I, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Well, it's this guy, and it, he works out of his home. And I'm not sure if he takes insurance or not, but uh, basically he just works for himself, and he does all the paperwork for himself. And it was this really old guy, and, and I, he had something on his wall for how long he'd been doing it. And it had been a very long time and this guy was a legitimate doctor but basically we drove to this even house. wears the lab coat in his yep, house he looked like <laughs> a doctor we went to his house he had this certain part of his house portioned off and and it was a, a doctor's office a real mm-hmm. doctor's office and the visit cost me 40 dollars cash out of my pocket did he even which, have a, a nurse or anything like no, that it was just him, it was wasn't it? Just him and i yeah. went in and I, I i think i was having problems with my ears and he checked out my ears like any doctor normally would and um it was just him so it cost me 40 dollars cash out of my pocket, which is something that's affordable for someone like me who doesn't have insurance. Whereas if I had gone to the hospital, I wouldn't even be able to go in and say, how much is this going to cost? They wouldn't be able to answer the question, and, and who knows well, answer how it much for I would pay. Right. And this is the answer to the question the gentleman had, which is, you know, what happened to those doctors? Insurance happened to those doctors, which was basically a result of the government instituting a 90% tax bracket was why they put, you know, these benefits, uh, you know, and then the government instituted, attempted to institute laws that forced uh, the insurance in place. So the government is the answer there and and government regulations and a monopoly privilege for uh, AMA union workers, which, you know, that we call allopathic doctors. All of these things are government. Government is what happened to the medical system and now the expectation is that the government can somehow fix what has happened no people what the government's done is put the final nail in the coffin of what you know it would look like anything like a free market in medicine and i understand we don't have a free we didn't have a free market in medicine we certainly aren't moving towards it um but they put the final nail in the coffin and it's going to be single payer uh, government instituted health care here in the united states after they managed to kill off uh, all the uh, you know uh, insurance companies. I think that most people now just kind of assume that we have this free market uh, healthcare system. I don't think most people realize how much 
the government is involved and what sort of regulations and, and taxes and stuff really drive the prices up. I think most people assume that what we have right now is just a free market health care system and that that's what's wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the. You will often hear people use the term that the capitalism stinks, and um, you know what the what they're saying is is the current current state of corporatist, uh, you know, government protected protecting large businesses. You know that 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 that's what capitalism is. That's not what capitalism is. I don't think it's worth trying to re-educate them because capitalism is you know a dirty word. I think essentially. John uh, John Stossel did an episode of his new show Stossel on that, uh, and they called it crony capitalism. Yeah, crony capitalism. I thought that was a fa- fair modification of the term. Yeah, where you're using your connections in the government. You're a go- you're a big wig, big shot uh, industrialist, and you're using your connections in the government to enrich yourself at the the cost of everybody. Well, um, I get glasses on a regular basis, and something that's always driven me driven me nuts is that you need to get a prescription updated every single year. Now, I've had the same prescription since I was 12 years old, so I could have glasses last me years and years and years until they break. But I legally am required to get, and it's just a racket for yep. the doctors. Yep. yep, it is. So government is the answer to his question. You're absolutely right. And it's been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And we will be back tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition of the program. You can join us then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Getting a mortgage without a down payment or just refinancing your home can be tough right now. But if you've served in the U.S. Armed Forces, Reserves, or National Guard... It doesn't have to be. I'm Tim Lewis of iFreedom Direct. After serving in Operation Iraqi Freedom, I now help other vets get their financial needs met. Our team of professionals understands the special benefits under the law for veterans. We have over 20 years of VA home mortgage experience, including refis to VA loans at lower rates. On your feet! If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage or interested in a refi for cash out or lower payments, Call 888-900-VA-LOAN now or go online to varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com or call 800-900-VA-LOAN. varadio.com.